When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. A great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yeah! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Yo people, welcome back to another episode of the New Spurs Order pod. I am on hosting duties this week. It's Tapping Tobes here. I'm joined by Yao, aka Scott Hall. I'm joined by Booker T, aka Tops, aka Martin Luther King. Um, certain man pressuring <laughs> me because they said they got to go for a spin class at 7 p.m., but I ain't going to name names. You know who you are, right? You know who you are. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Just, um, bruv, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. The next few weeks, could be tense in it, so the name of the pod is called Winter Has Come for a Reason because winter yeah. is really here. If you watch Game of Thrones, you know what happened when winter came, yeah. And it, yeah. And it came, it came hard, and I'm not gonna pause there, yeah. So cool. <laughs> I'm pausing there. The same <laughs> practice where I'm gonna be paused. <laughs> <laughs> 
This ain't cop and frackers where I'm going to be pausing every single second. And yes, that's a shot at Fahi and all the rest of them pussyos over there. Pause every damn second. You know who you are. You know. No, but they have to because they got they got Marco in their camp. That's that's an automatic. What do they expect? That Fahi brother as well. Every single time I see him on socials, he's he's at some sort of meet show, man. He's he's the one that has the has the problem. It's dangerous. Very honestly, he, lo- he loves a meat show. He loves a meat show. Honestly, <laughs> he loves a meat show. But listen, let's let's not get sidetracked, man. It's funny because I was actually listening to their pod today, and I messaged Farhi, and they were talking about like I think they mentioned how they were talking about hair on one pod, and I opened my Instagram maybe like an hour ago, and I see Owen, aka um, X Pack, has started like a hair transplant Instagram <laughs> journey, and I said, whoa. You think you know someone, and then it's just like, yo, like, what the hell? Didn't what it... the hell, man? Oh, no, I don't think, I don't think he, I don't think he got into it on the last pod, but yeah, I, he he did he did tell me about it, and I was like, listen, hey, the job that was done, incredible, because I wouldn't have known. Hey, Tobias, I'm not gonna lie, it's not gonna work for you. So anything, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. Listen, take that out right now, brother. Take that out right now, brother. That's all that matters. I don't just rock the yet. stone cold and let's go with it, fam. Come looking like a young Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, let's 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 get back on football, but let's get back on football, guys. I mean, it's it's the good news is there's no more international break until March. Until March. The bad news is we still have a lot of our key players missing for the foreseeable future. And What's we've got a really, really tough run of fixtures coming up. Obviously, we'll preview the Aston Villa game for those who are listening. Um, we're going to preview the Aston Villa game towards the end of this because that's probably that's the most immediate fixture that's coming up in our schedule. But I thought we'd take some time to actually talk about a lot of the bits and bobs that are actually going to um, come up as a frequent talking point over the next couple of weeks. Um, one is our obvious fixture running at this point in time, right, heading up into Christmas because we have Aston Villa at home, then we have uh, Man City away, then we have West Ham at home, then we have Newcastle at home, right? And it feels as if we went through a period where we play, in the at the start of the season, we play like a team in probably like the mid-table or lower half, and then we play a big six team, then a team in mid-table, lower half, then a big six team. It feels like now we're playing the teams, we're going to start playing a lot of the teams around, you know, the the sixth to 10th or 11th spot positions. It feels like we're going to start playing some of those teams over the next couple of weeks, man. And I wanted to get your general thoughts, like, where's your head at in terms of in terms of the, the run that we've got coming up? I'll start with you, yeah. I think it's quite simple. You just have to do your job. I know that we've got like injuries and stuff like that, but like I think I said this on the main pod not too long ago. The the long and short of it is, regardless of whether we got injuries, we got loads of players out, and that will be the excuse if there is a defeat or a loss or you know a bad performance and stuff like that. But the long and short of it is, you just gotta go and do what you need to do. You know, like we could be talking about potentially on paper, you know, a bunch of losses and draws over the next five games. Or we could be talking about, hey, then my man need to grind out a win or two, you know, or even three if they were lucky. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we we don't know how it's going to play out till it plays out. The long and short of it is these are professional players. They've got a professional job to do. and We need them to deliver. That's pretty much it. 
the away games are the away games. You know, you, I guess on paper, you shouldn't really be looking at away games as guaranteed victories. But the home games that we do have and the next four, we've got three of those being at home. We have to get results. It's it's not up for debate. It's not up for debate. I'm with you, bro. Tops, I know you you're you're um you're reacting over there, um in agreement with Yao. What are you saying? Yeah, it's it's go time. It's go time, you know. Um we had this really positive start. Um everyone was on cloud nine um with regards to how we've performed with a lot of the, the players that we've had available. And whilst admittedly, you know, we've had some sort of big games, but um this is uh the meat of the Premier League season, as we come into the as as we come into the sort of second third of the season or the the middle third of the season, this is where we really get into the nitty gritty of it. And um, we've been very fortunate. I feel like up to this point, um, we've deserved actually to be where we are, and we've amassed a decent number in twenty six points, uh, being fourth or fifth in the league at the moment. Um, but this is go time. This is go time. Um, and unfortunately. Um, this is the nature of the league as well. Uh, you could have a period of time where you play against really solid teams or, or really what we would call inferior teams. You get decent results, you pick up points, and there's going to be runs like this where you are going to be playing what we call the, the probably the better teams in the Premier League. Um, so this is where, one, I feel it's important that um, whatever is left of the squad has to stand up. Um, every single man as a, as a squad member has to be pivotal in uh, in how we do go on these next four games but also I think it's now um, I wouldn't say it's a negative eye but it's a you have to have a real look at how, how Ange manages this team how he manages personnel how he looks to adapt if not to adapt his philosophy and his style to be able to go into these games with the suspensions and the injuries and the current personnel that we have it's go time let's go I think Tobias is buffering. <laughs> He's completely frozen. <laughs> oh my god. You can't even make this stuff up. Hey, seeing as Tobias is completely like excommunicado. Yeah. Like I might as well. Oh, he's back. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what the hell happened there, but no, I, I was I was listening to what you were saying, man, and um, I I agree. I, I fully agree. I think we're going to see probably, I, I don't want to say a different side to Ange, because I do, I do think he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done for Spurs. And I do think it's not like he's had it go entirely his way since he's been here, right? But I do think we're going to have to see a different side to Ange over the next couple of weeks, to your point. Like, how do you deal with with this kind of adversity, because we, we, we've had adversity, right? We've had adversity. We've had Harry Kane leave us literally days before the season starts, right? We've had, we've had, um, we've had players not coming in at a quick enough time, et cetera, et cetera. Only one signing made, only one signing made um, between Harry Kane leaving Spurs and the deadline day. We've had, we, People forgetting that we already had injuries to contend with, it's just because they weren't like regular starters. But Solomon out for three months, Perisic out for the entire season, uh, amongst a, a couple other players who weren't even fit at that point in time. So I don't think it's been like I think he's been fortunate up until this point where like he he's been able to keep his key players intact until recently. But 
I don't think he's had it go all his way. Um, however, I do think now we need to see how he can make this team uh, or this squad, sorry, stretch between now and when the, the the big hitters come back. And I think one of the one of the situations where we'll see what he's what he's looking to do and whether it's the right or wrong move is with the number ten position, man. Let's let, let's talk on the number ten position because, I mean, against Wolves last time out, he played Pape Matasar in that role. He looked like he was playing in that role. He looked a bit lost. You're looking at the team now. Without James Madison, there is a chasm of creativity just gone. And you're just thinking, with the setup that we play, there has to be someone who's a bit more offensive-minded in that in that um, in that position. And I wrote down the list as well that I sent to you to you guys before the pod. And I'm just looking at candidates that can play in that role, so we can discuss. You've got the one who played there when the Celso, when Madison wasn't on the pitch in preseason, which was the Celso who he decided to keep. You've got Kulusevski, who can play there. He put Kulusevski there when we were chasing the game against Sheffield United. Kulu scored. You've got Donnelly, who's ripping it up for the under um, for the under twenty threes, ripping it up to shreds. And then you've also got um, the emergence, obviously, of the re the reemergence of Bentoncourt from injury, who can also do a job in an advanced position as well. So let's talk, man. Um, where's where are you where where are you guys at in terms of? how Ange puts together um, our midfield, right? And so that question's twofold. Who would you pick in the 10? And what should the midfield composition look like over this period? I'll start with you, Tops. You're on mute, you're on mute, you're on mute. Sorry, in, term, in terms of our options, we're limited, which we just are just because the nature of Madison's injury and obviously going to this game, uh, Basuma being suspended. Um, we've got a, uh, what I would say is near on recovering or fully recovered um, Bentonker, who's coming back from a long layoff, um, out of form and not really playing. Um, Le Celso, Skip, Hoiberg, and then you're left with someone who's been kind of integral to the team in Saar. So obviously, I think Saar will. I think will play the role that he has been playing um, for us this season, where he kind of operates in that right-hand channel as like a running sort of eight. Um, you know, we know what his qualities are. He's very good at hassling. He covers a lot of space. He does a lot of the off-the-ball work well, and he's actually building a nice relationship with Poro and Kulusevski on that right. So I can't envisage it will change too much. When I'm thinking about the other two mid-field mid positions. I think it's a bit of a difficult one. I first of all think, like, first of all, I wasn't like super happy that um, Bentancur was actually called up for Uruguay. Uh, but even though he was called up, having looked at the game and seen some of the highlights that have come from it, I was actually really happy. And like I mentioned in the group, I felt like it was the right sort of situation to put him in, um, playing him in that role in just in front of the defence or what we would call the six. Um, it looked like he got a lot of touches on the ball and, you know, he was very active in that game. And I think that's a positive thing for him, just probably for his confidence, because from what apparently they're saying in the Spurs camp is that he's been saying that he's been ready to go for weeks, maybe even um, a month or so. But I still feel that from that number six role, whilst I feel his ability to play as a press resistant, um, high volume passer, which I think he's probably capable of doing, I still feel it's too early in him in his sort of um, trajectory of his re recovery, and I also still feel as well that there's a massive defensive component that's required, which really involves you putting yourself about 
And I really wouldn't want to have him get himself like, you know, the ACL injuries is one of the biggest injuries for for it has the biggest incidence or re-injury. So the last thing I'd want him to do, having even seen some of the challenges that he did go into um, in the Uruguay-Bolivia game, it did look that there is still a little bit of um, doubt um, in on that side of his game. And honestly, I really wouldn't want to throw him into that. So in, mm. so in my opinion, that only really leaves us um, Hoiberg or Skip. I feel like Skip hasn't really had the running of it this season. Um, whilst I still, whilst I still feel he has some qualities, I, f- I feel that right now Hoiberg is the one that will probably best is best placed at the moment to play in that sit. Uh, and if that is Hoiberg that's going to play, then in my opinion, that only really leaves um, Lachelso to play in that number ten. And quickly, I'm not super moved. About Lachelso, I'm not super moved about him. Uh, I feel in terms of stylistically, he's probably the closest person in terms of his ability. Well, not ability, but also like the way he plays and the areas he picks up to Madison. Um, I don't think he's as active as Madison. I don't think his passing God is damn. as incisive and progressive as Madison. God damn, but, God damn. but I still do feel he has some qualities. He receives the ball in progressive areas. Although, although he's very one-footed, he can operate in a final third area and in, a, in, a, in an incisive way. And if you look at, just look at his, like, I know it's, again, it's not really, like, it's not an equal measurement to look at it. But if you look at his numbers, and it's just from a, from a statistical perspective, last season when he was on loan, you know, he was up. Um, he was receiving the ball in really good areas. He was progressing the ball in really good areas. He was creating lots of chances and he was even uh, popping up with lots of different assists. So in terms of stylistically, and I think what is probably the most natural where we're going to have lots of uh, different circles and squares or however you want to put it, I think most probably for me to start the game, the most balanced midfield would be to have Benton Kerr as our deepest line midfield, a midfield player. Then I'd have... Um, Saw as our running eight and as the advanced eight or like sort of low 10, I would go with the Chelsea. I just think with um, with this as well, um, so that that's the midfield you want to go with for Aston Villa, fair enough. We'll get on Aston Villa in a second, but I think, yeah, I want, I want you to sort of speak a bit more broadly, right? Like, and let's talk on suitability for the roles, because obviously Tops has spoken about the Chelsea in the number 10 role, but in your eyes, do you feel like there's a world where Ange, because I think you mentioned this on the previous pod as well, you and Tops, in the previous, is there a world where Ange can just move Kulisewski as the interior for a couple of weeks, put Brennan Johnson on the right, or play Brian Hill on the left or something like that? Like, there's got to be other options. Like, there's got to be other options, surely. He could, he could easily use Kuru in that position. But then we've got quite a uh, a number of injuries. <laughs> it's actually quite when you actually deep it's extensive. Yeah, you move Kudu into the middle of the pitch. Who goes out there? Who takes his spot? Your your boy your boy broke his hip. You know, doing his stupid dance. Yeah, like so so who who goes out there? Just humor me, humor me, and and then I can continue awesome. my point. Johnson Johnson goes out on the right. Get Brian Hill goes out on the left. Listen, I'm not saying Lasalso yeah. shouldn't play. I'm saying I'm just giving options, possible options that. Ange All right. Can so, 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 good shout in terms of Brian Hill going on the left, natural left footer. Um, 
Johnson going on the right, natural right foot. That these are these are good shouts, yeah. And to be fair, you can't really rule them out to not work. But when you're looking at the midfield dynamic, as good as as interesting as it would be to have Kulu in the ten position, truth be told, is especially the way he's played this season. And I don't think he's played poorly this season, but the way he's played this season, I'm, like I'm a bit skeptical of the playmaking element of his game. You know, like he's been he's been in some very quality positions and he's either given off a tame shot or he hasn't had that that nous to like, you know, play a very cute pass. I mean, the I think the out of all the games that I can remember off the top of my head, the game against Wolves is the first time I saw him do like a reverse ball into like Poro's run for the cutback. You know, like I know people would say, Oh yeah, he did it against Liverpool, but Liverpool had nine men and he didn't do it to like the last minute of the game, you know, at least mm. against Wolves, it was like early in the game. So, yes, it would be interesting to have um, Kulu at the 10, Brian Hill at the, you know, left-hand side, Johnson on the right-hand side. Johnson's had a decent start to his career at Spurs. It would be interesting, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm siding with Tots on this. In terms of like most balance, and I don't particularly think, you know, Lo has got anything to his game anymore yeah but what we saw in pre-season is he will attempt you know those types yeah. of balls that you expect from a number 10 yeah where we can't we can't actually say as Spurs fans that you know we'll get that same yeah he will attempt it like look I didn't I wasn't ranting and raving to the ceilings from what I saw in pre-season but if we if you go back and check pre-season there was a lot of times he put Richarlison through and Richarlison did well to score those goals. Yeah, so so like we can't we can't act like we can't be biased on the basis of aesthetically we don't like him, you know, and say that he can't, you know, try and attempt stuff. He definitely can. But the problem is the intensity of the Premier League, the teams that we're coming up against, especially now, and how he started the season leaves us with like absolutely no belief that you know anything good can come of this. That doesn't mean that it can't, but I'm saying it doesn't leave us with much belief. The problem is, I have a strong belief that as much as I agree with Tops in terms of what I think Ang should do, I have a I have a frightening, frightening belief that it's going to be Hoibier, Saar and Lasso. And I, the only person I fear for in that midfield is Saar. Because why should he be sandwiched between an idiot and a super idiot? <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that he has to suffer like this. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna have to. That that, that is probably <clears throat> Aston Villa because when you look at the when you look at the absences as well, Basuma suspended for the next game, right? So he can't play. Madison, we've spoken about his injury. Benton Core, he played eighty six minutes just a couple of days back. Which is quite we needed which that. Was good, which was good. But Angie's not Angie isn't gonna start him, especially in a game like this where you have Aston Villa who know who 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 Aston Villa are one of the stronger teams in the Prem right now when it comes to midfield midfield superiority. I think even when they're playing defensive football, as soon as you get the ball into specific zones, they don't really let you breathe, right? And I feel like it might be a difficult game to start Benton Corin from the from the off. But yeah. I, I'm at, I'm I was on this whole player welfare thing, and I still am to a certain extent. But listen, if that being said, if I did see Benton Court on the starting starting lineup on on Sunday, whenever the game is, yeah, um, Sunday, I'd be happy. I'm not gonna lie, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. Listen, we can't, I, I, we, can't, we, can't we can't play against Aston Villa. 
No, we no, can't play Justin Miller with um with Hoybier. I'm sorry, the way they're pressed, like that guy, he's already drowning. Yeah, he's he's listen, Toby. I don't care. This is one of the top ten worst signings in Spurs history. Yeah, this Hoybier is an absolute—he's a fraud, an absolute fraud of a player. Yeah, I can't believe that we're back here again. Him and and Dyer. Listen, listen to me and listen to me good. I'm I'm losing it. I'm losing it again. Yeah, because I've had to say these names. Him and Dyer, I the day they leave, I promise, I promise everyone on this pod, the day they leave. I will have a bottle of Hennessy on this pod, yeah? Right, I, bro, I might even smack the whole thing, yeah? Because th- that, that there's only going to be one reason to be waved. It's because these, these absolute viruses have left my club. Nonsense. And we're going to have to have them in the starting lineup for the next, at least the next five games. Nah, man. Absolutely. You know what? You know what? Just, just to bring it back to this also, like, Despite yeah. my anger, despite my disgust at just the player mm-hmm. that he's been for Tottenham, the one mm-hmm. thing I I feel like I've I think is fair to maintain, right? And it's probably again back to the point we made on we're gonna see what Ange's made of is sticking to your principles, right? Because Ange, for whatever reason, maybe the club were putting pressure on him, I don't know, but what for whatever reason he made a beeline for Lacelso, he said. I want you to be part of this project for this upcoming season, right? We didn't entertain any offers for LaSalle, so we kept him. In pre-season, when Madison was not playing, he would play LaSalle. When Madison was on the pitch and he subbed him off, LaSalle would come on to play these positions. So I think we're now at a point where it's like, it doesn't really matter what I think about LaSalle. It doesn't really matter what anyone thinks about LaSalle. Ultimately, exactly. Ultimately, Ange has brought him in for this exact moment or he's kept him for this exact moment where Madison is not available or Madison needs to come off LaCelso needs to come in so as much as as much as I hate and as much as most fans or most Spurs fans will hate it he probably has to play right now or give him an opportunity to play and if it doesn't work then you find a different solution you know at this point is sorry sorry I want to get this one the the problem with it is he he has to have a few games, like it, we can't expect. No, it, it, as much as like people might have a problem. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm actually with you. I'm he, with he, actually, you. he actually has to have a few games to get like the the, the running, you know, the rhythm in. Like, and th- that's the problem. Like people might expect him to, you know, hit hit the ceiling immediately against Aston Villa. By all means, that would be great. It'll be amazing if he has an absolute blinder of a game against Aston Villa and we win. Yeah, but the truth be told is, we can't expect that. He might he might not get into the running of it till West Ham or, or Newcastle even. So you know we a lot of these players are coming not necessarily out of the cold, you know. But you know they they they've had minutes. They but the the thing that saved us, funnily enough, especially with all the injuries that we've had, is the international break because Lo played a lot of time. Like he got mm-hmm. good minutes for for Argentina and the same with um, Bentancourt for Uruguay. So. You know, it's not like they're coming off um, international break. You know, with tired legs. These are these are players that have been playing. No, agreed, agreed. Um, like he, he, you know, uh, I, I had a bit of an interest in that game just because of himself and um, Romero, and you know, played about 70, 70 something minutes. And I thought, you know, this is the kind of moment that yeah, he has to step up. It's go time for him. 
Um, the opportunity is arisen for him now. Um, unfortunately, Madison's come out and he hasn't had as much game time. Maybe fitness and injury issues have, have come up. But really, this is his moment to kind of show the kind of player that we think he has the ability to be. Um, he hasn't shown it. And this will be his first start pretty much since uh, Nuno, from what I understand. So it will be very interesting to see how he's received, um, especially at home. But I think um, he will have it in him, but he's going to have a hell of a day. It's going to be a rough day because that Villa midfield is going to give him, they're going to give yeah. him some chops. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll get back onto the midfield and we'll get back onto Aston Villa. But I guess, as we've spoken about the number 10 situation, um, spoken on Kudu, spoken on the Celso, just a word though, before we move on to the defence, um, any word on 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 Dunley? Like, it, where 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 are your heads at with regards to and using Dunley as a potential option in this run of fixtures? Right, because even if you do have Lacelso, games are going to be coming thick and fast. Some players might not be able to play every game. We know Lacelso is injury prone, so there's a high chance. Let's be real. There's a high chance that this guy can pick up a knock. If he picks up a knock, do you do you consider Dunley as someone who could potentially get a run out? Yeah, I, I personally, personally, I do. I, I think um, from our, if I'm talking about someone who really does keep an eye on the under-23s and a lot of the development guys, he's probably the next up outside of Divine. Um, he's kind of uh, uh, a forward who's kind of been playing in sort of a 10 role um, for the under-23s. And he's just been prolific. He's just been prolific with goals and assists. Um, he's definitely got an eye for a pass. Uh, for me, he uh, if I'm like liking him, his profile, I would actually liken it not so much as like a as a pure ten, but more so like a um, a dynamic sort of play, midfielder who who can like operate well in in like the forward areas. So I would actually liken his, and I think I can liken his style to someone like Kevin De Bruyne, like loosely in just the way it's like the areas he picks up and how he finds his passes. At this point, the squad is so bare. It's so bare. Um, and obviously, we knew the situation that we were going into. But I, I just think there's no harm in giving um, some of these younger players a chance. I, I've always kind of been keen on giving these younger players a chance in moments when there's less chaos, where they can be eased in. So this is why I kind of feel the notion of actually bringing in people like Dorrington and Phillips is not really that like a feeling that I have that's positive just because the step up to first team football is massive anyway. We always know that it's good to get young players in the first team just because they need to be in the environment first, just to be able to see what it's like to behave like a first team player, to be in first team environment, to train, to go on the coaches, to warm up. But the second step is then sort of slowly integrating them and you're more likely to make a mistake and to have your confidence not if you're playing in a defensive position, especially where goals are uh, you know, uh, at, they're at a, an ease in the Premier League. Whereas if you're going on to maybe affect the game as an attacker, then the pressure is also massively uh, reduced in what you can do and what you can actually give, which is why I also believe players like Velis has been given minutes that they've been given. So I do feel if the opportunity arises for Le Celso, and, oh, excuse me, for Donnelly, and we do look short in that area, I actually feel he is a num he is a player that we can probably look to. I still also don't feel that Kulusevski 
there's lots of reasons why I don't think Kulisevsky will ever be moved into the 10, but that can be discussed on another day. But I feel more likely if we're looking for, again, for more natural fit for that position, it has to be Donnelly. Fair. Um, I, I feel like he should be considered as well. And you know what? I, I don't think... I don't think I, I... I get your point on the pressure of having to come into stepping into a position defensively versus... Um, offense right but I also feel like Spurs are in a despite the injuries despite the <laughs> despite the mud the significant mud that we are covered in right now it, Spurs are still on 26 points from 12 games we're still in the top mm -hmm. four we still have a reasonable cushion over some of the teams behind us right um excluding Aston Villa obviously and um even if we do drop points now I don't think we're going to be in a position come the new year when players are back, that's so insurmountable for us to sort of claw back. So I actually feel like, and and on top of that, I feel like fan atmosphere towards the team is probably in the best position it's been in years. Agreed. So Agreed. I, I actually think it's an environment now where he can call upon some of these young players and Spurs fans will be like, yeah, go on, you know what, why not? Why not go for it? Because it's like, if the alternative, to Yao's point, <laughs> are man, scrubs that have been have been, have been been messes for Spurs over years, like Dyer, um, even Hoybier now, if you want to put that into the equation, all of these... No, men, no, put it there, put it there, put it there. Don't say <laughs> like... <laughs> Spurs, Angie's, Angie's already having to rely on poor players now. He is. That's yeah, just yeah, yeah. So if you're going to have to rely on poor players now, you may as well chuck some kids in there, right? And but then, but in terms, you see, you are listening to this pod and and want to try and take that in a in a different way. You're you're a sicko, yeah. You're a real. But sicko. It, but it, but in terms, this is the debate, though. You see, like the way I see it is as well is that like you you have an option between an experienced pro who is not that positive, who's not that con, who's not going to contribute massively, or you have a completely green, fresh young player. Yeah. If a, a pro, an ex, if if an experienced pro who's been playing in the league and has a bad game, would you rather, it's like a risk-reward, risk isn't it? Would you rather the flack be given to the ex-pro who's going to just take it on the chin, he's going to come to training, he'll get over it, or would you risk ruin, ruining or maybe possibly damaging the confidence of a young pro who maybe hasn't had the best game if he's been, if, if he's been flung in? This is sometimes what I've also kind of feel. There has to be like a risk-reward. What are you gaining from from putting this person in, if it means that it could possibly be, I mean, it, we want it to be positive, but what if it was to be negative? Okay, so let me let me actually on, let on. me actually like um, land on that point because that's a very good point that you brought up, and it made me mm. think. Probably the last time, maybe there was another time before this, but the last time I remember off the top of my head that that something similar to that happened was uh, the Jose Mourinho season. I think the first season when he played Tanganga. I can't remember who mm -hmm. got injured. But he played Tanganga against Liverpool. Tanganga had a good game. You know, I'm not going to say he had a great game. He had a good game. Um, I think we lost that game 2-1 or 1-0. I think it's the game where Lascelles missed that chance. Or something. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was. So, yeah. So, and it was a game in which, you know, we were, we were in it. You know, like, you know, he just needed to score. But in terms of Tanganga's performance, it, I think even though we lost, it gave him confidence. And, you know, people were, were calling for him to, to be in the starting lineup. You can have a similar thing with, you know, Dorrington or Donnelly, um, mm -hmm. this lineup. The truth be told is the difference with the Tanganga situation and say, you know, these new youngsters coming up is people have been keeping an eye on these youngsters. 
that, like people have been ranting and raving about these youngsters. So it's not like it's not like oh Tanganga, we didn't know much about him. Nobody was really ranting and raving about him. So throwing in, you know, was like a it's kind of a win-win situation, really. Like it's like you get what you get with these kids. They're coming in with kind of like people saying, yeah, I've got stocks in them already. So you're gonna want them to have a good performance. The fans are going to want them to have a good performance. They might even egg them on even more to perform better just because this is their first chance, you know, in the first team. Fling them childs in. Like, let them play. Why? Because, bruv, the alternative, the, those seasoned professionals that we're talking about as the alternative yeah. are not seasoned. The the, the seasoned fight <laughs> is, is expired, bruv. You bought it in 2029. The expiry date was 2022. We are in 2023. We're a month away from 2024. The bag has been expired for a whole year. Why is it still here? Uh, we don't crazy. need this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, like, if man are gonna give me the option of raw, even La Sosa, I'll give I'll give La Sosa a, a black. I'll actually give him a black because like oh. La Sosa's career at Spurs has been a madness where he had he came. Yeah. No, nobody really thought anything special about. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. Like, like nobody thought anything great. He had like injuries, struggled injuries. Then he had like a small run of form where you know people were like, oh yeah, he's doing decent. Blah blah blah. He might be like possibly our best midfielder. All of that nonsense. Got injured, got signed, and then gave us absolutely nothing since. Yeah. Absolutely nothing since. Crap, but. Bro. Like because of all the injuries and stuff like that. Oh, like, all right, cool. When 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 has he had a run? Heiberg, on the other hand, has had two years and he has given us nothing. What does that tell you? Big. What does that what does that tell you? 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 Fam, Skip has been given life in this team, right? Endombele oh, yeah, has had minutes. Saar has had minutes. Benton Skip Cornwall hasn't been given life in this team. No, I'm talking about players <laughs> in general over the last couple of years, not in this current team. Not really. Skip, Skip's best run, Skip's best run, yeah. When Conte first came in, Skip was probably his most like, like I'd say outside of the big names, yeah. Skip was actually like a respectable name in terms of like robust, nothing, no frills, six out of ten performance, but it was it was ticking over. Then Skip got injured, and that was it. He got injured, yeah, and that, that was it. Is- there was no recovery. But the point I was making is even Nuno, Nuno played skip, right? The problem with someone like Lacelso, even though I agree with you that he should, he should play, the problem with Lacelso is not only is he crap, like utter, utter garbage when he plays for Spurs in 80% of his matches, right? Unless we're playing got unless we're playing scrubs from Macedonia and Luxembourg or some shit like mm-hmm. that. And even those teams, when 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 we play this guy away from home against those teams, he still stinks, right? The point, the problem is with Lacelso is he can't stay fit, so you are crap, and you can't stay fit. So yeah. even if he does, even if he does play well, even it's if he does well the next two games, having him as the option between now and the new year is problematic for Spurs because let's be real, there is a high chance this guy's going to pick up an injury. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, absolutely. Let's, we don't need to. We don't need to 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 speak on this anymore. Like Lascelles is going to play. We know what the midfield is going to be. We just got to hope that. He does the job for Spurs, and we gotta let Ange let Ange sort of like rest on his laurels, man. Like this is this is who you picked. This is who you picked, right? You said that you wanted to play him, so now you gotta play him in it. Let's move on. To, let's let's go. Let's go to the defense, right? Let's speak on the defense. Jesus the, Christ of Nazareth. The defense is uh, the defense is worse. How can 
Fam, how can the defensive issues be worse than the midfield? When I can just... tell you how. I can tell you how. His name is Garbage Eric Dyer. Yeah. Or <laughs> as I like to call him Diabolical. Is that his or, full name? People... Eric, Eric, let me let me Google his name. One sec. Sorry. Yeah. Go, 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 go check it. Yeah. Or or Sorry. as some people have called him the man that has yet to find justice for his brother. Because this is a facile. Listen, I need everybody that is integrated into Spurs. Every single Daniel Levy from 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 even Joe Johnson all, all the way down. Yeah, I need everybody to understand and hear me good. I've been a Spurs fan all my life. There are some players that I've seen that have absolutely embarrassed me and insulted my livelihood. Stefan Freund is one of them, and also Gilberto is another one. But we'll get into that in another day. But Eric Dyer has insulted the adult years of my life in ways that I never thought it could happen. What Eric Dyer has done to this club, yeah, is egregious beyond belief. Let me go back to the Wolves game. Brother, six minutes of concentration is all we needed. Six minutes. You were concentrating for 90 minutes. Six minutes of death is all we bloody needed. Your brother wasn't in the stadium. There was no need for you to have a head loss. Tell me why you decided to leave your post to go and deliver rotten milk to nobody. You didn't even foul anybody. It's nonsense. Listen to me and listen to me good. For the Did next we game, game well. I swear we lost that game. We Did lost we? the game, bro. Yeah, we it was a cup game. Bro. <laughs> bro, forget even that. Yeah, look, bro, listen. That's not the first time he's done that, by the way. There, there's a compilation on, on Twitter. If I find it, I'll put it in the group. There's a compilation of man literally watches the ball go past him. Man. What's that? Is that the football? Oh, yeah, it's just gone past me. Yeah. You're a yeah. defender! Defend, bruv! Like, I don't <laughs> understand this. Listen. <laughs> Destiny returns. Yeah. And yes. by, by title alone, it sounds fantastic. Because I hope that the <laughs> Destiny it befalls upon us and helps us through this time of life. Yeah, because we are struggling. Let you me, mean to tell me, me we're going to have a backline of Davis and Dyer. And Dyer is the senior and can't, he can't even lead the line. Let me float something past you, though, right? Because we know Destiny and Poro are going to play, which is good. So when the, when these guys invert, at least from a ball, pre, ball progression perspective, we will be much better because Destiny can sort of dribble with it quite, Progressive, yep. progressive, yep. progressive with his passes. So mm -hmm. that was something that we really struggled with against Wolves, progressing the ball from the first phase into the second phase into the third yeah, phase. It was a myth. Right? But the centre-back situation is still problematic, right? Ben Davies, by all accounts, had a had a good game. He had a good game against Wolves. but Yeah, I wasn't vexed with Davies at all. He had a good game against Wolves. And I think, to be fair to him, he's played... He's played in the back four for Spurs maybe a handful of times, but when he's played in the back four for Spurs, he hasn't really put a foot wrong. But I still am nervous about Ben Davies. But Ben Davies, I feel like right now we probably have to play him. The question I'm going to ask you is with I found his name, his name is Eric Jeremy Edgar Dyer. With Jeremy Edgar, would you start him against Aston Villa knowing they've got pace? in Diaby and Watkins and power, or, now, hear me out, would you, because I was discussing this in another group chat, would you put Emerson at Oh, Brighton? no. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Gen I'm, I, it's, a, it's a question. It's a question. I knew you were going to say question. that. 
think. Just think uh, about it. Let me let, let me lay it out for you. Let me lay it out for you. One of the two can defend better in isolation. Yeah. One of the two is stronger. I actually yeah, think yeah. he's. I actually think he's strong. Mm -hmm. Emerson as Eric Dyer is big for nothing, and I feel like I, I feel hmm. like number three, one of the two can actually defend. I can't believe yeah. I'm having to choose between Dyer and Emerson. I don't like both of these guys. I don't like both of these guys. So, so I'm going to say this one. I have to choose on, between on, Edgar and, and Emerson. On the defensive aspect, I can see that. But remember, we play a system in which we're not sitting back and, and defending. We're playing a very high line. We're playing like high-risk football. Like Emerson with the ball to feet is, is frightening. <laughs> like, Say that again. Like, Say that again. Emerson, Emerson with the ball to feet is frightening. Like it's just okay, but but you listen inside, yeah. But but the truth <laughs> be told, the truth be told, I know why this has why we've got to this point. It's not because it's not because um, Dyer's that garbage and Emerson can take his spot. It's because Emerson can actually defend. But the yeah. we play a style in which we need our centre back right or left to be capable of breaking lines with their passes, mm -hmm. and neither Davis or Emerson have that. As their strong suit, and Dyer doesn't either. I don't want anybody to turn around and say he does. So, so the problem I have with it, yeah, is you go with that system, you're really relying a lot on your fullbacks to kind of bail out the centre backs. Yeah. Can yes. it work? Can it work? Maybe you know, in in theory, yes, it could. And but I'll be honest with you. If I have to have Emerson as right centre back, just so that Dyer is not just getting absolutely pammed, yeah, by PMP, so be it. <laughs> like I'll take it all day, bro. All day. It's not even up for debate. Our man deepened that Ollie Watkins is one of the most. He is, you know, um, you know that Chelsea. There was that Chelsea coach who got done for um, racial abuse. He said he called. He used to have a nickname for black people, BBQ. Yeah, he said, he said big, 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 black and quick. Yeah, God forgive me. But this, all I can think with Ollie Watkins is yo, this guy is powerful. And he's gonna have a feast up, and he's fast. I'm just gonna. All I can see is just a BBQ steam train just running rings around Eric Dyer, bro. Oh man, I'm so sure. Like I'm just, I'm. Yo, I'm man. shook. I'm shook because, like, the thing is, though, is that, like, I can see the benefit. I can, I can see the benefit. I, 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 I can actually see the benefit of playing Emerson, but I just don't think Emerson is actually that switched on. I just don't think he's that switched on. And I also don't think, as well. Ofcom when you need them. Flipping hell. <laughs> Sorry, Tops, you were saying, go on. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's switched on enough to be uh, to be a centre-back. I feel like... He's more switched on than that. Uh, I, I feel like the only way... The only way that I think that we can, first of all, protect ourselves from a defensive structure perspective is 
we have to start immediately five or ten yards. I'm not sure what they're going to do as they, as they all return from training uh, from the international break. But I imagine, and I actually would hope that this week, um, having seen the way Wolves attacked us, you know, a couple weekends ago, that maybe um, he has to somewhat edit or sort of manipulate our defense so that we start maybe five or ten yards a little deeper, so that we always don't feel that like we're on the back foot. Um, I think as well, having Poro and, Ud- and Udogi absolutely helps us um, in terms of our defensive structure um, because they're guys that, that have been playing there more often and they can probably support those two guys uh, a bit. Um, maybe even the role that Hoiberg has to play has to kind of be manipulated or has to be tempered to the position whereby he actually has an active defensive role in protecting those those central runs through the middle of the park onto those two those two centre backs because like we've we've accepted that chances will be given up uh, possession will be given up um, if we play in the proposed way that we wish to play. However, I still feel that if that's going to be the case against a team like Villa who are extremely quick, who are extremely dynamic, who love the kind of football that they want to play in transition with the kind of players that they have, it will be very difficult. And I and I don't want to say naive, I because I think naive is probably the wrong word, but it would be very, you know, it would be inappropriate of us to to try and definitely play the way that Ange wants to play, especially with these two specifically as personnel in that centre back in that centre back position. I think he's gonna he has to, he has to definitely definitely he may, maybe tweak a couple of things, maybe like some instructions, maybe a bit. Not not as high as we have played. Maybe drop it maybe like a couple yards deeper. But I feel like the whole emphasis of his game is to try and pen teams in, right? So yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't really want him to deviate from how he's been playing recently. I just want him to pick the players that I feel can ex- pick the players that, not even just I feel, pick the players that can execute as best to what it is you're trying to do in the absence of the big hitters. Right. And that's mm-hmm. why I mentioned Emerson, because Emerson, for all his nasty, nasty ball progression outside of the first phase, can defend. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like where we're going to be playing so high, you need someone who has enough pace and strength to defend on an island. That's 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 literally it for me. Like that that is the only reason why it's it's in my head now, because it's just I just worry. I just feel like Eric Dyer, like he's gonna be he's gonna be easy picking for for most centre-backs. Like, I actually have more... I have more... Um, it's mad. I, <laughs> I have more... Um, less less reservation on Ben Davies at centre-back. And Davies is the one that's... Like, we don't even know who's the sweeper out of the two. Like, obviously, when when he played... When Eric Dyer played on the Conte, he was doing that thing for a point where he would engage into midfield. So I guess he might be the one that will in, engage. But because we were pinned back so much against Wolves, he's not actually seen that defence high up to understand who's going to be the one that's going to sweep, who's going to be the one that's going to that's going to progress. So this is going to be an interesting game for us where it's like we're expected to dominate more of the ball because we're at home, even though we did dominate the ball away from Aston Villa, uh, away at Wolves, but not really progress it. So it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. I just, I don't know. I think, I think for this period, we just have to accept that defensively we're not going to be anywhere near as good as as we've been so far this season. We're just going to have to hold that and just hope that 
the overarching tactic vis-a-vis the, 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 the midfield composition, the pressing, the front line. We're just going to have to hope that that does the job required. And to Yao's point earlier on, I actually feel sorry for Papi Matasar because that boy is going to have to get through dog work like he's never worked before, man. <laughs> he's going to have Dyer behind him, Hoybier next to him, Lacelso in front of him. Like he's going to have to work. You know, um, what's that film, Coach Carter, when he was doing the suicide drills, right? That is the type of graph that this this young boy is going to have to put in. <laughs> That's a huge, you know when he's kind of window into that's the amount of graph that this young boy is going to have to put in, and we just have to hope and pray. But let's actually move on to Aston Villa now. Let's move on to Aston Villa now, right? Let's talk about the opposition. Let's talk about the opposition because um, they set up in a four-four-two. So I was doing some some quick research um, mm-hmm. highlights this morning um, yep. of the game last season. And last oh season, man, what at home? Yeah, where Larice showed us. Yeah, it was yeah. awful. It was. All right, all right. That, that defence and Larice, yeah? All right, all right, all right. It was a stinker. Like, that all game, right. I remember coming 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 out of that game saying, yeah, Conte is done, isn't he? And <laughs> just, just four points, just four points in that game. So, Aston Villa, they set up in a 4-4-2 last season, which they will do again this season. Yeah. Very, very deep and compact block, which we struggled to break down. There was a point where we were trying to attack. I think it was Perisic in the second half that, that flashed a shot wide. Aston Villa, no word of a lie, they had nine players on the edge uh-huh. of their box. Nine players on the edge of their box, two players slightly. Uh... Bro, they are going to make it so difficult for Spurs. And then, of course, the third point, Larice. We had Larice back then, and he literally... What a drunk idiot. Drunk idiot. Them. And then the fourth point, which we've already mentioned, was the counter-attack. The counter-attack was on for them constantly, all game long. It was just a case of them actually being incisive with their counters and when they got it right boy did they get it right so guys please that, that was my last right. game in the stadium well, <laughs> one of my last games. I, left half, I left not long after the second goal uh, do you know what was crazy as well is that like i watched i was watching back some of the highlights and i was reading some of the reports from that villa game at home and i was like wait a second what was it like when we went away he got bland just as badly away from home as well. Did, did we he not score bl- first in, the, in that game as well? Yeah, yeah, we did. And then um, it was a, a, a Ramsey and uh, Ramsey and Bailey completely fried us in that yeah. in that second match. But when I say that it was an onslaught, so uh, what's difficult for me as well to understand at the moment is that this iteration of Emery's team is a very positive one. Um, you know, they've finally been able to back him and actually they have pushed on from what they were doing last season um and what really does give them a, a point whereby i'm like okay i think emery's doing the right thing is that they're going into games knowing that they are confident that they're going to be able to score they're creating a large enough number of chances and they're getting themselves in areas where they can constantly impact the game albeit at home they've been way much stronger than they have been away from home but even away from home, they've got some really, really positive results. Um, they've uh, they lost to Liverpool, lost to Newcastle, but they've also beaten Chelsea away. They they are got a point away from um, Brighton as well, and I imagine they're going to be coming into London um, off the back of that Wolves game, and I think they're going to be smelling blood. I think it's going to be a very tense game. Um, something 
I, I like something uh, Dr. Mike uh, said on uh, one of the main pods recently is that sometimes you need to be a team, especially if you're a big team, you need to know how to suffer well. And you don't have to actually perform well. You don't actually have to like be excellent throughout the game. And if it means you have to eat a little bit of shit, then eat a little bit of shit. But if you can somehow come away with a result to kind of batten down the hatches, to just temper the nerves, that is really what we need this coming Sunday against Villa. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult, man. It's gonna it's gonna be difficult. I, I, I'm still going to back us to win, but it's going to be a really really difficult task, man. Um, just some positive omens for us though this season. Every single game we've played off the back of an international break this season has one been at home, and two we have won, right? So let's take some heart in that. Um, and I did note down some strengths as well. I would like to think that we are a much more creative side than we we were last season. And I do feel like, even though Madison is a big component of that, I do think that this team has been able to find multiple ways of scoring with or without Madison's input. So I think we can sort of rely on, on, on some of these things to sort of get us through the next couple of weeks. And then also on the flip side, where we have a goalkeeper who was clearly at the end of his 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 um his career last season and was just drunk the whole season. We have Vicario who's actually been brilliant. He's mm-hmm. been brilliant. And I feel like it's times like this where you can you can rest knowing that you've got a goalkeeper who's not only going to avoid doing dumb shit, right? But he's also gonna potentially be the difference between Spurs losing and winning a game of football because I feel like he will be big in terms of saving some some good opportunities that Aston Villa may create in the game, right? And then the the last point I noted was around our attack, man. Our attack has been multifaceted this season. We've had a lot of people chipping with goals. So I don't think we're, 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 we're even though Son has scored a lot, right? Brennan Johnson got off the mark last, se- last week. Kulisewski's got a couple. Saar has scored. Um, Pedro Porro yet to score, but he's got a goal in him as well. I feel like even Lacelso, as poor as he is, playing in that position, maybe you might you might little give us a little certain something. I, I feel like we still have enough to cause Aston Villa problems. And when I've seen them play away from home this season against the better teams, I've watched them against Liverpool. And they got they got smoked by Liverpool they for the smoked. most. They did. They got smoked. They, did. they, they mm-hmm. were still dangerous on the counter attack, and obviously Liverpool are a different proposition to Spurs, but they got smoked. And I feel like with Aston Villa. I don't think Inai Emery is going to open up completely. I think they're still going to try and keep the game reserved. But I do think now, if we have a lot more of the ball than we did, if we have a lot more of the ball this season in comparison to last season, I think we can do more with it this season than we would have done last season and we can open up the defence, man. What do you think? Yao, Tops? Um, I think I think it's going to be a score draw for me personally. I think it's going to, it's a tough ask because... Although Destiny's coming back, which is great, we needed him to return. That centre back partnership, and it's funny enough, it's not Davis that I'm actually worried about. It's whoever he's partnered with, um, is frightening. You know, like it's just scary. Um, and t- to be fair, it's like it's the system we play. It doesn't it doesn't allow us to be cute in a sense of like, you know, having these players still play high line and not get exposed, as we saw against the Chelsea um, in the Chelsea game. So. 
there's not a lot of confidence. If if we had that centre-back partnership and, say, our starting midfield, I wouldn't be so worried because, you know, I'd trust in Basuma to be press-resistant. I'd trust in Madison to create chances. Um, and I, I feel we would have enough firepower to, to get the job done. But any midfield that, in, that has, um, you know, Tobias' favourite in it is a complete and utter write-off. And so... Hmm. You know, I don't know where we're gonna go from. He is so my favorite. Yeah. draw. He is your favorite. He's not my favorite. Don't sit here and don't sit here and, and deny him now. Yeah, that's 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 well, bad. He's not Valkyrie, but he's not yeah. my favorite. He's your favorite. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the fact that the fact that you even call him your Viking has me worried. Has me worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lie. Yeah, lie, man. Yeah, lie. Tops. Uh, I guess. Yeah, you basically kicked off match prediction. For us, anyway, with a 2 2 2 2 score draw. Tops, what are you going for, man? What, what, what do you reckon the score is going to be? Villa are going to be a difficult game. Um, it's going to be a difficult game. I think if we score early, we nick it 2 1. I think we nick it 2 1. Um, if they score first, and that could dampen the mood. And they could build confidence. This is a difficult game this weekend. Villa at home. I think we win 2-1. I think we win 2-1. It's going to be tight. Uh, it's going to be a cagey affair. It's not going to be fun. But um, I feel like just so we can get some sort of control again of our sort of feeling around the club, the, our destiny at the moment, just with all these injuries and everything, I feel that it's important for us to get a result. And then if we go into the Man City game, what will be will be what will be. But it's very important, in my opinion, of all these games that we get a result against Villa. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, I'm gonna go for a two-one win as well. I'm gonna go for a two-one win. To be honest, um, even if like even if we don't win the game, like I don't know why, but I'm just not. You know me, I'm a panicker. Like in the game, I'll probably panic, but just away from the games, even if we don't win this game. I'm really not panicking about Spurs' situation right now because I know what's, mm -hmm. what's coming back. Do you get what I'm saying? I know what's coming back. And I and I actually feel like, and I've said this before, I feel like when I look at where we are on the table, Chelsea, who are on the up, were 10 points ahead of Chelsea. Newcastle were five or six points ahead of Newcastle who are injury ravaged as well. Do you get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, Aston Villa, are the, to be fair, Aston Villa are the ones that are breathing directly like behind our necks, right? They're the ones mm -hmm. behind us waiting to try and take the spot and maybe they might, but I don't think Aston Villa are going to build up such an insurmountable gap between now and New Year's that we can't, we can't, we can't recover. So let's see, man, bring it on, bring it on, man. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Um, lads, I think we're going to call it a day here. I don't suppose any of you guys are going to be at the game on the weekend? Nope. I'm not trying to um, be out during the winter. I've got bare things to do. But I will be on the main pod. Yeah. Man, man came back from his, his trip to Mexico and now he's, now he's indoors for the foreseeable future, man. Whatever, first, man. And foremost, yeah, first and foremost, for legal reasons, I cannot talk about my trip to Mexico. Listen, lads, uh, Yao, a.k.a. Scott Hall, Tops, a.k.a. Booker T. It's been a pleasure. For those who are still watching or listening, make sure 
you follow us across all socials um tiktok instagram twitter one word newspapers although we're putting out some cool stuff on there make sure you check out scott's staircase yow's weekly segment where he details who's at the top of the stairs who's at the bottom of the stairs amongst other things as well we got some comps we've got some cool some cool content coming out of all of our platforms so make sure you check out as well and yeah man we'll we'll, we'll be releasing some patrons as well so stay locked in Debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. A great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yeah! Sports Social Podcast Network.